This week, having finished uh, each and every of the Berachot of Shemun uh, I'd like to take the, uh, the time that we have uh, left in the course to address one or two other issues. First of all, text. We finished Shemun Esrei, but we haven't actually finished the text. As everybody knows, after the last Berachot of Shemun there's a text that begins with the words, Elokai Nitzor Lishoni Mela. That place... In tefillah, is called tachanunim shel achar hatefillah, supplications that that are after, that follow the tefillah, that follow shmonesrei. So it should be clear: we have finished shmonesrei. Shmonesrei has really has really ended. This is by definition called tachanunim shel achar hatefillah. That's after the tefillah. Uh, but nonetheless, the picture is actually more complicated. Halachically, uh, based on the Gemara and Vachot and Daf Tetzayin, after and Daf Kavchet. Legally, halachically, you could be said to be still in the middle of Shemun Esrei. In what sense? Um, there's a halacha that says if you made a mistake in Shemun Esrei, for instance, what interests us now in the davening, person, it was Rosh Chodesh, person didn't say Ya'alev Yavon in Ritzay. Happens sometimes. Um, so if you remember before you finish Shemun Esrei, then you go back to Ritzay. And you start from there and you finish Shemun Esrei again. But if you already finished Shemun Esrei, and the say must be said, if you haven't said, you have to say Shemun Esrei again, you have to say the entire Shemun Esrei again. You go back to the very beginning. You can't go back to the middle once you've finished. Uh, offhand, finished means that you said, So the post can say, no, it means you said, which the Gemara says must be said immediately after Shemun Esrei. But then the Gemara later on says that, uh, uh, if you if you normally say tachanunim shelacharat fila, which of course all of us do because it's in the siddur, we say elokai nitzah. If you normally say these supplications after the davening, then so long as you haven't taken three steps back, you haven't said osa shalom, you haven't taken the three steps back and the davening, you can still go back to say. Now, by definition, that means you're in the middle of shemoneh So, to some extent, even though the text is over. You're still in, you're still in Shemun Esrei. I'd like to understand what we're doing here, what the purpose is, and also understand the Salacha that says that you're in the middle of Shemun Esrei, even though you're not in the middle of Shemun Esrei. Um, in fact, there is no Halacha to say, What there is, is a very long Gemara in, uh, in Berchot, in the second parak which tells basically a story, or stories. It says, Rabbi Yochanan, when Rabbi Yochanan would finish, or battle the Messiah Salute, after he would finish his davening, would say the following. Rabbi Lazar, would say the following. And there were eight or nine or ten, I don't remember the exact number, different individual stories when Rav Ploni, when a given Rav, would Finish Hishman Esrei, he would say the following. One of those stories about Rabbi Yochanan says, he would say, and we have adopted that filah. When I say we, it's in relatively ancient Minag. In other words, not Mizman HaGemara, not in the Gemara, but it's found already in the Sidurim of the Gaonim, as what people say after Shman Esrei. But the din is not to say it, necessarily. In fact, the din is not to say anything, but the Gemara says that different Rabbanim would say different tefillot, and this is one of them. Truth is, 
I suggest very highly you should read that Gemara because they're very interesting prayers found there. Each one is different. Some of them have been adopted into Asidur. One of them is said on Yom Kippur at the end of davening. One of them is a tefillah that's said before Levachim HaChodesh on the Shabbat before Rosh Chodesh. The uh, Hivatzav. One of them is said in the morning. Uh, and, and five or six of them are never said at all in the normal Sidur. It's clear from the Gemara that we're talking about individual prayers. Now, it doesn't say that you should say this, or you might want to say this. It said that Ploni Elmoni, Rav Ploni, said this. The fact that our Sidur has adopted one of them is an accident of history. I think the principle is the opposite. What we're dealing with is personal, individual prayer. And the reason is, is the following. We've, in effect, spoken about this, but only the opposite side till now. There is an innate tension in tefillah between the formal and the personal, between the formal and the spontaneous. And throughout this course, the shiurim that I've been given for the last uh, 20 weeks, I've emphasized the formal. In other words... That was, that's what gave me the license to take each word of davening and examine it. Where does it come from? On what pasuk is it based? What are Chazal trying to say? The whole assumption was that these tefillot have been written with a great deal of work and a great deal of investigation and a great deal of meaning has been invested in every single word. And, and different halachot in the very beginning, we spoke about how tefillah is an audience before the king, which explains a lot of the choices that are made by Chazal for the language. The Rambam in the beginning of Hilchot Filah explains that Filah was a mitzvah that everybody should pray the way they want. But then Chazal saw that people were not ilgei safa. They were not uh, fluent. They were not polished in their language. And therefore, Chazal said, I don't know Tefillah for us. The, the, the meaning is that it's an audience with the king. And you just can't get up and say whatever it's on your mind. There's a formal protocol in which one speaks before the king in the ten minutes which are granted to you for your formal audience with him. And the reason for that is, what I explained a long time ago in the introduction to, to this to this series, is that uh, tefillah is avodat Hashem. It's not necessarily, or at least the definition that I chose to explain the way Chazal wrote tefillah, was that tefillah wasn't the spontaneous outpouring of the searching soul looking for uh, his soulmate, looking for the source of life. But tefillah is avodat ha-melech. It's the service of the king. And therefore it's very formal and very structured. And you have to have shevach first, and then bakasha, and then hodaya first, praise, and then request, and then, and then thanking or, or taking leave, as I explained it. And, and, and all this formality is intrinsic. It's, it's very medieval, very feudal, very ancient, very, very royal. And not a democratic conversation that I have with my friend. But, Chazal know the opposite is also true. That, yes, tefillah is meant to be tefillah is the outpouring of the troubled soul, the overflowing of the feelings in my soul before he who created my soul, who encompasses my soul, to whom I yearn, to whom I want to, I, I want to approach. But how do you square those two opposite poles? 
And the answer is that Chazal said there's something called, there's an impossibility of Tachanunim la'acharat fila. The word Tachanunim, supplications, means that. It means what, what, what your tortured soul has to say, or not tortured, I don't want really to get overly dramatic, right? But what, it, what pours out of the innards of my, of my soul. Now, you have to realize, you can't make a halacha that says, now say spontaneous tefillah. Because then it wouldn't be spontaneous. There is no such halacha. The most the Gemara says is that those who are, have the regular habit of saying tachlunim after the tefillah, so they exist. They have a certain halacha which I described beforehand. But there's no halacha that you should even say this. Definitely not halacha that you have to say this. Because then we would then have to write it for you. If it's a chovah, if it's an obligation, those that service of the king, obligations derive from the proper protocol of how to address the king. But if there's a halacha that a man has the ability, the possibility, of just pouring out his heart to God, then it's no more than a possibility. It's, one can't avoid the irony that we daven from a siddur, and in the siddur, someone has bothered to tell us exactly how to be spontaneous. By writing for us the words, But halakhically, that, that's not what takes place here. What halakhically is, Yankel Shmuel says the following. You say the following. Everybody says what they want. If there are 11 different versions, I don't remember the exact number, I think it's 9. If there are 9 different versions of this tefillah in the Gemara, and the Gemara bothers to record each and every one of them, it's because it's telling us you should have your own version. Or you could have your own version. You would be very admirable if you had your own version. And again, we have this is inherent conservatism in Judaism. In the end, we wound up adopting the tefillah of Rabbi Yochanan. Rather than, really, each and every time, coming before God and saying, aside from everything I said till now, I get an extra two minutes to, to say what's on my mind, to say what's in my heart, to say what I personally need, above and beyond the defined needs of Amisal that were present in the tefillah. This explains the halachic status as well. The truth is, Shemun Esrei is over. What does it mean Shemun is over? The formal tefillah is over. But you are still omeid bifnei ha-melech. The king, it's like we have this audience with the king, and you speak, and then when it's all over, you say, okay, that's all over. Okay, now I want to take an extra two minutes. I'm granted an extra two minutes just to speak. So you don't have all the bowing and all the Baruch atah Hashem and the formal, the formalities of how to address the king. When the formal part is over, you close the books, and before you leave, before you leave, I stress, before you leave the presence of the king, you can address the king what's on your heart. So, and when it's over, when it's not over, Shmon Esrei is over. Tefillah formalit. The formal tefillah is over. But you're still standing before the king. And the halacha that I mentioned, you can go back to Yalviyavo, you can go back to it, say, and say, Yalviyavo, Apparently, as, as long as you're standing before the king, you can still go back to Melush Manasseh. How do I know that that's correct? Because of the exact formulation that I quoted. You can actually, anyone who, who normally has more to say after Shemoneser, can go back to it, say, so long as he hasn't taken three steps backwards. The three steps backwards are not the end of Shemoneser, they're the end of the, in the presence of the king. The three step backwards is when I depart from the presence of the king, at least metaphorically, perhaps even in reality, if we take it that seriously. So, so long as you haven't left the king's presence, you can go back to Melush Manasseh. And that's defined as 
for those people who, in fact, have a reason to be in front of the king because they are normally, they have this habit of saying tachanunim tefillah, saying supplications after the tefillah when they finished the tefillah. So tefillah, formal tefillah has ended, and now I'm engaged in conversation and the king suffers me. He allows me to remain in his presence to say those things that are on my heart. That's the essence of Elokai, Elokai Nitzah. I'm not going to read Elokai Nitzah. Because, although it's a very wonderful tefillah, it's not the tefillah. There are another nine versions of it, and what that means is there are another million versions of it. And that's the way it should be. There should be another million versions of this particular, of this particular tefillah called Elokai, Elokai Nitzah. This distinction between formal tefillah and informal tefillah is very, very important in, 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 in Yahadot. Um, there's a dispute between the Rambam and other Rishonim as to whether or not tefillah is a mitzvah diorita. The Rambam says yes, and uh, the Ramban and the Balayatostot say no. The Ramban comments on the Rambam's listing of the mitzvot, in the Sefer mitzvot, one of them is and the man says it's not a mitzvah diyaraita. He changes the thing. The man explains there is a mitzvah diyaraita called ze'aka. That is, when a person is in trouble, if you're if you've been cast into the pit, if you're falling off the roof, then there is a mitzvah minatoma to lizok to cry out to God. But what the man is saying, but there is no mitzvah to daven every day. On a regular basis. The Ramam's mitzvah is not ze'aka, it's not crying out, it's avodah. It's learned from the Pasuk of Va'avatav, you should serve God. You're supposed to serve God every day. And the Ramam thinks it's a mitzvah to serve God verbally. Technically speaking, it's to serve God in your hearts. What is to serve God not through actions, but in your hearts? That's called tefillah. So according to Ramam, there's no such mitzvah, midyomaita. But of course there's a mitzvah of whenever you're in trouble, when you go out to war, when, when you're attacked by the enemy, or if there's a famine, then there's a mitzvah to respond. It would be, it's inconceivable that a religious personality will not try to solve his problems by appealing, by appealing to God. And it's not merely, that was the point of Ramban stresses, is the timing. It's not every day, it's only when a certain problem imposes itself on us. But it's not only the timing. It's also the content. The Ramban's everyday tefillah is meant to be the formal tefillah, which eventually, Chazal actually wrote the words, and you're obligated to say those words and not change them. There's a whole sugya, which I won't go into, but everyone more or less agrees that you're not allowed to change Shemona Esrei at will. There's a question as to how much you're allowed to change. But basically the Ramam says, You're not allowed, you can't change the Nusach once it's been written by Chazal. Ze'aka, a cry, Zaka means the same as tzaka. Uh, the word that's used with the Zion, same as with the tzadi. Zaka, crying out to God. It's inconceivable that we would produce a formal formulation how to cry. It's like telling a child how he should cry. Crying out is really is what is what bursts out of the soul, bursts out of your heart when you're hungry, when you're when you're being oppressed, when you're near death because you're sick. It's not merely the timing, it's the content. 
The Rambam's tefillah is the formal tefillah, although it's true the Midoraita, the words were not written, you could write the words yourself, but you were supposed to write them under that context. The Rambam does say that as part of the obligation of Midoraita to daven every day, it has to have first praise, then requests, then thanks. There is a formal structure. The words, we can rely on you. When you go to the king in the Middle Ages, so they didn't hand you a piece of paper what to say, you, you could say, but you had to know how to say it. You began by saying, oh, great, you know, great majesty, A, B, C, and D. There was a way to do things. There was a protocol. Eventually, we saw Jews won't good as we wrote it for them. And therefore, the Allah becomes, you're not allowed to change anything. Anyone who changes the formulation of Chazal, he, he hasn't fulfilled his obligation. But Ze'aka, it's not just you, always, you say it less often. You also say it in a different way. It's, it's the crying out. It's not to the king. It's to the Moshiach. Who, he who can help you. You have a story in Tanakh of the, the woman who, whose heart is heavy. She, she rose and throws herself at the feet of Elisha. It's not the king. It's Elisha, but he can help. Uh, you don't have to put in time. You don't have to make an appointment. You catch him in the street and you grab his coat, you grab his feet, and you and you just pour out what you have to say. Such a thing exists in halacha. The Ramban on the contrary says, that's for sure the writer. Just he says it's not a regular tefillah. And the Mama agrees it's not a regular tefillah. So that kind of tefillah, I think is what Chazal said, you have an opportunity. You can take it, or you can leave it. Perhaps you aren't able to take it every day. But there are Jews who are, on a regular basis, can appeal to God in that manner. There's a place for that. It's after the tefillah, it's before the audience is over, but when you finished the set piece, when you finished the formal part, when you finished the service of God, but you're still in the presence of God. And you can remain in the presence of God, and now you have an opportunity, God gives you an opportunity to now say what's on your mind. Drop the formalities. You don't have to say Mr. President. You don't have to say... Uh, 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 king of the world. Just say what you what you want to say. Hegion libi. The, the musings of my heart can also be presented before God. The opportunity, the opportunity exists. The only siddur I know of that included in the text all of the suggestions of the Gemara was the Sidur of Yaakov Emden, known as the Sidur Beit El. Yaakov Emden is it's one of the most famous Sidur that exist. It's a big Talmud Chacham, and he went over the entire Sidur, he corrected the Nusach, and did other things as well. The Sidur had a great deal of popularity one time among uh, Hasidim, which is why they changed the text to meet, uh, to meet Nusach Sfad, which the text was in Nusach Ashkenaz. Um, in the Siddur of Yaakov Emden, he says at the end of Shemun Esrei, and now I'm going to fulfill my vow, which I made. I promised to provide for the readers of the Siddur all the texts found in the Gemara in the end of the second paragraph of Bechot. And that's what he does then. He then lists all the texts. Not just said, okay, Nitzalah Shodi has all the texts. Some are longer, some are shorter. They're not about the same thing, by the way. I'm not going to quote them. Take a look. Some of them are about, like, Nitzalah Shodi I want personal help in my life that people shouldn't depress me. Some of them are about Kalal Yisrael, please bring Geula to Am Yisrael. Some of them are about Tamidei Chachamim, some of them are about the Beit Midrash. Each person said what was on his heart. 
and Rabbi Yaakov Edna brings them all. And afterwards he says, you know, now that I've done this, I hope you understand. He has a very, very strong Lashon there. I don't think what he's saying is correct in the Rambam, but it's important what he says. He says, this part of Tefillah is the crux of the true service of the heart. What he means is because it comes from the heart. And so uh, it's inconceivable that, 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 that you would skip it. And he says, and you really should not get into the habit of saying the same thing every day, which of course we have. He says, don't, don't say all kind of so every day, because then you're ruining it. It's not Avodah Shebalev. It's no longer coming from your heart. It's coming from the Siddha. He says, this part of the Siddha is the part that's not from the Siddha. And therefore you should try saying, that's among others, I just gave you all nine different versions. Say some of the others. And then he says, and, and say your own as well. In other words, by going from one to nine, you, we, we've cracked, he's cracked the, the, um, the brace, the jail that Atfili was put into by having to read word for the city, because there are already nine possibilities. But you should understand what that means. It's not that there are nine possibilities how to steal someone else's tefillah. Once you get to the nine, you realize that you're not bound at all. The bonds, the chain has been broken. And he says, the real tefillah shebalev is to say what's in your heart. These are suggestions. You can try saying them. Try one, try the other. But remember where it's supposed to take you. It's supposed to take you to express yourself before God because of Yaakov Enden claims. That's what avodah shebalev means. I don't think that's the right pshat in Rambam, But it is the right pshat in avodah shebalev. It is the right pshat in a person's relationship with God. And Chazal were aware of that. And therefore they created this framework. Not the, not the contents, just the framework for this sort of expression, and to nudge us in the right direction, they didn't say, maybe you'd like to try this nusach. All they said was, isn't it interesting? Rav Yochanan used to say the following. Rav Adabaava used to say the following. Rav Yitzhak Nafcha used to say the following. There's a whole book of Tzvilat Rav Nachman Mibetzav. Rav Nachman Mibetzav used to say the following. My uncle Izzy used to say the following. That's all to nudge us to you know, maybe say some of those things, but eventually you should be able to say that Ezra Bick used to say the following, or did say the following, and Yaakov Shmerel, and you too, Sarah Rivka, Rachel Yaakov, all of you would say something after davening to finish off your tefillah by looking inside oneself and saying important things, important things. I don't think it's an invitation to say just whatever comes up in your head. But to say the things that are important to a soul standing before God, King of the world, creator of heaven and earth. Now there are two formal requirements which which are found in this part of Tvila. One is the requirement to say at the end of Tvila, in Bechor, it says is a requirement. And therefore, the Rishonim, when they get to this part of Bechor, ask, when do you say it? You say it before Elokai Nitzah or after Elokai Nitzah? Logically, it should be before, because it's a requir- it's a formal requirement. And therefore, it's a requirement of Shemon That's what the Gemara says. At the end of Shemon you say this. Um, but there were two Minagim. Today, in almost all Sidurim, it's repeated twice. Once before, once after, to cover all the bases. Okay, it, it can be afterwards. After all, I say you the Ratzon Imrefi, the Hegion Libi, the musings of my heart. 
There's a formal requirement to mention the musings of the heart. So the truth is, what we do today, which is not an original, an original nesach, there were two minhagim in Rishonim, either before or after, we say it twice, once before, once after, has a practical application to allow you to say, if you're finishing Shemesh very late, so you can then, therefore, answer Kedusha with the Chazan, even though you're in the middle of a kind of tzach, because you already have formally finished the part of Shemesh where it's us to interrupt by saying, and on the other hand, it makes sense, this should be the the last thing that I say altogether. Everything I said should be the Ratzel Nefanecha, should be acceptable towards you. And the other formal thing is that in the Shemun Esrei, a different Gemara, Gemara found that Kavriti Yasurim, Sechet Shabbat says that one takes leave of God by Noten Shalom. He, I'm going to translate it literally, he gives peace. It means he salutes, he, he expresses an expression of departure. On the right and on the left, you take three steps back. The Gemara doesn't actually mention the words, We shouldn't say that's what it means. What does it mean to give shalom the yamin, give shalom the small? This passage is so, is so appropriate because it mentions the word shalom twice. To one's, to God's right, to our left, that's how we understand the Gemara. The other side. You say this while taking three steps back. In other words, it's basically not a sentence that one has to say. The sentence is never mentioned in the Gemara. It's an action that one has to take. One takes three steps, as I explained, because when you've finished everything, you can't just stay here. You have to leave. You have to go back to the world. And that's, tefillah is not in the world. It's in God's presence. When you finish davening, you depart. Departure is done by taking three steps out of God's presence and saying goodbye, shalom in Hebrew. That's why that's at the very end of Elokai Nitzor, and that's its proper place, because you are now leaving God's presence. You got this in, you spoke to God while you were in His presence, now you're leaving God's presence. Amazingly enough, we still haven't finished. After you do that, the sitter... There's no place for this in the Gemara. The Siddha says, and I have another Yiratzah. What the Siddha says is we find it difficult to to actually leave. So we leave, and now, the way I picture it is the following. I may be wrong. You take three steps backwards, so where are you? You're now in the doorway. And, and, and you're about to, you know, you've left. You've formally left, because you took the three steps backwards, and you got to the door. And even before you actually leave, but you still turn back, you say, oh, I, I, I have one more thing to say. We have a Yiratzah on you get in one more, one more line, even after you've left, but haven't quite had the door shut. It's expressing something about the way Jews daven. There's no such halacha in the Gemara. Not, I can't find any place where the Gemara sort of has a framework to put this in. But, but once you realize what's taking place here, that we're taking three steps backwards and we're leaving God's presence, so I sort of picture it as, okay, I'm finished, goodbye, I bow, bow to the left, bow to the right, take my three steps backwards with my head bowed, and then I get to the door, and I'm supposed to leave. So as I, as I leave, I say, oh, and, and one more thing. The, the Jewish soul simply has always more to add in, uh, in God's presence and while leaving, while leaving, while leaving God's presence. 
Now we've really finished what I say. Okay? But I haven't finished yet. I, I have at least one more to talk about next week. Only partially attached. Definitely not text. But nonetheless about the saying of Shema Nesrei. And that's the physical things we do. Namely, I want to talk about bowing. Accompanying Shema Nesrei is a series of four or five, as we shall see, uh, bowing, standing and bowing. You stand, you don't sit. At certain points, you bow down. And that will be our topic for next week. Not another text, but something which accompanies all the texts of Shema Nesrei. One of the halachot of Shmon Esrei, this is the way the Ram says it, it's a halacha in Shmon Esrei to bow at certain points in Shmon Esrei. It's not a halacha in those points. It's a halacha in all of Shmon Esrei. Shmon Esrei is accompanied by standing all the time and bowing at certain points in it. And that will be a topic for next week. And then we'll be closer to an actual conclusion for this uh, series, which just like what I said today, Shmon Esrei, you have trouble finishing. You keep adding more things in the end. So the series also, I have trouble finishing. And I keep adding more things in the end. And we'll see if I manage to actually finish completely, uh, completely next week. And until then, cult of.